On today's episode of The Glue Guys, we are going to talk about two specific items. Sean Marks' 72-minute long interview with the New Zealand news outlet and a daily news report that the Nets have had internal discussions about mm. trading for Bradley Beal. Mike, you had internal discussions about having pizza last night, right? That that happened for you? Where'd you end up on that? Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuys, NetsDaily.com, The Athletic, 40% off an annual subscription to The Athletic, and five stars on iTunes. We want them. We need them. We have to have, have them. have to have them. If we get, we're at 249 ratings. If we get to 1,000, Brian will walk naked across the Brooklyn Bridge. That's true. I'll do it. If we get to 250, Brian will walk naked. Handstand. Yeah. <laughs> um, Brian, spicy. This is a back-to-back pod. We potted yesterday and we're potting again because just a delicious amount of breaking news is coming down the Nets pipeline right now. The news cycle is aflame. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. We've uh, got Bradley Beal. We've got, well, I mean, we, we're kind of just picking some some stuff out of the Sean Marks interview. But how about the 72-minute Sean Marks interview in New Zealand? <laughs> What why hell, is man? why is new what has New Zealand ever done for Sean Marks? Why are they getting first crack? This was with Sky Sport. So Sean Marks has again done another. It's very interesting. He's been doing these interviews with New Zealand news outlets. This one, as Brian referenced, was seventy two minutes long. Does that mean that it was a podcast? Yes, it was. It the show the show it was on a, New Zealand podcast a travelogue a vlog they probably went to to bag end to film it I mean seventy two minutes this is a whole that's a feature length film Mike do you want to guess what the podcast for Sky Sports is called in New Zealand now think how about New Zealand Ki- KiwiCast is, are we going KiwiCast on this <laughs> that's pretty good Not it's better. just called the Pod <laughs> smart smart get SEO that's it's strong SEO you, I yeah. love New Zealand. My friend studied abroad there. I have great love. <laughs> did you to, visit? Or <laughs> You know when people say yeah. that they're about to say something. Their friends. Did, did you at least go see it? Or did he just no, like Skyped no, you in or whatever? He brought me back yeah. a uh, rugby yeah. jersey. <laughs> nice. I appreciated it. Um, so the connection goes deep for you, I guess. <laughs> there are, it's famously, New Zealand has more sheep than it has people. And they have so few people that a, a sports podcast in New Zealand could just be called the pod and it suffices and it's big enough to get Sean Marks. So Sean Marks, congratulations on being on the pod. So what he did was he discussed specifically, I mean, he talked a lot about being in Brooklyn, talked a lot about his time growing up in New Zealand. Um, and we are referencing the Nets Daily article. And again, credit to Nets Daily for digging up the quotes. But there's really interesting stuff to you. I mean, I think you saw one particular quote that was kind of jaw-dropping. Yeah. Well, I also am sensitive to the idea that it's, you know, the kind of thing that I haven't listened to the to the feature length <laughs> film on the Kiwi cast, but I, I so I'm assuming that this is a little different to the ear, you know, how when things are transcribed, it kind of reads a little differently. Anyway, so here's the quote, right? Um, they're talking about Kevin Durant and Kyrie and about their legacy. So prepped in quotes, it's about their legacy. That's what these guys are fighting for now. If you talk to Kevin and Kai, Kevin's won two championships. Kai won's a championship. So now 
It's how do we make this ours? How do we take this to the next level? And who do we do it with? Ooh. That's a big part of their decisions. The player's situation. They're going to have a voice. Mm. It's, hey, I want to play with Karis Levert and the other guys. Spencer Dinwiddie, the other guys on our team. Not to leave anybody out. Um, end quote. So, Mike. <laughs> Pretty strange. That is a weird one. And it's also not very Sean Marksy to be dropping names at it like like that. Um, it's also like a odd precedent to just be like, yeah, like these, like you don't, you don't hear management kind of going out and being like, these guys are going to be informing these decisions, you know, right there with us, the the two stu- superstars on the team. Um, anyways, I just thought it like popped off the page. I was like, oh, that's an interesting quote. And also to, like, hey, it's, hey, I want to play with Karis Levert and the other guy, Spencer Dinwiddie. So it's like, I guess Spencer and Karis, I mean, are... <laughs> At their whole, that they're at the behest of Kyrie and KD if they are going to be um, the long-term solution on this team. Right. I guess. I don't know. I don't want to jump to conclusions here, Mike. And I kind of, I just want to straight out say this. It feels like an F up from Sean Marks to just put this out there. Because from what we've understood about Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving is that they don't want that pressure on them. Part of the reason why they didn't go to the Knicks is because, as I think Fat Joe said, they didn't want that smoke. Right? They didn't want the smoke. They didn't want the fire, the dumpster fire that is MSG. They wanted to go to New York, but they Brooklyn was the better option, better team, and all that stuff. And these superstars have already... Kyrie has already been in the LeBron machine and kind of spat out and sent off to Boston. Kevin Durant goes from this beautiful bubble that was Oklahoma City, puts himself in a tremendous situation in Golden State, but then, obviously, he was pulled apart, basically, because of that situation. And wanted to kind of do his own thing, kind of reset his life in some way. And part of, for both of those players, I think what was appealing about Brooklyn was just like, you know, we can say this, there's just much less attention to your Brooklyn Nets than there are to the Lakers, Warriors, Knicks, Celtics, etc. Philadelphia 76ers. Those teams have way more pressure on the players. And what Marx's quote here is doing is specifically giving the power to Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and saying, if these guys are traded, it's because they didn't want to play with Karis Levert or Spencer Dinwiddie. You're paraphrasing a bit there, but yeah, I mean, no, again, that's the, this is the words. <laughs> they are jumping off the page, Brian. Yeah, sure, I have sure. pages of his, his quotes out. He's literally saying, hey, <laughs> this is him quoting what, what he, what, so it's, it's a big part of their decision, Kevin and Kyrie, about who the players that they want to play with that's not a direct quote. This is the quote. That's a big part of their decisions. The player's situations, they're going to have a voice. It's, hey, I want to play with Karis LeVert and the other guys. Spencer Dinwiddie, the other guys on our teams, not to leave anybody out. They're, he's specifically saying, if LeVert and Dinwiddie are traded, it's probably because <laughs> Le- <laughs> Kyrie and KD want to go somewhere. Like, they want to play with someone else. Well, they have choices. They have a voice. That's all. They just have a voice. Yeah, they have a pretty strong voice. <laughs> In the organization. I think it's so I found it interesting. Marx was very disciplined and has been very disciplined in his communications. And these late night phone calls with New Zealand, his love line, Dr. Drew call in sessions with these reporters in New Zealand. He's been loosey goosey with it. He's been kind of letting kind of detailing the inner workings of the team in a very particular way. When before, when he's sitting up on the podium at, you know, the HHS Center, HSS practice facility in Sunset Park, 
he is so guarded and is a master of deflection. You know, he is uh, Rafael Nadal in a press conference setting, constantly mm. deflecting, sending back the quote right at the reporter, not allowing that that reporter to penetrate with this question to the deep inner thinking of the Brooklyn Nets. With these New Zealand media outlets, credit the pod, um, which is the New Zealand. I mean, they had him. They had him in there seventy two minutes. It's like Neville Chamberlain tra- in, uh, <laughs> trying to negotiate. They, they starved him out. What a what a shout out! What a historical yeah. shout out! You like that? Um, by the way, I was going through. I'm look. I was looking for just like going through the the past prime ministers of United Kingdom on Wikipedia as one does, and there was a prime minister named my favorite boner law boner law um kind of a tragic story and oh, also man. like his politics is not how i would line up with my politics so like i don't want to give him too much promotion but his name was boner law and he actually his first name was andrew but thought boner was better it, it does it, that pops off the page boner law um and i thought he was from the town booty but he was from the town buttle so but Close. i mean excited. still still something um anyways back to uh England and her colonies talking about New Zealand, right? Nice. Totally full circle now. Yeah. Totally full circle. Yeah. So how do you think if you're Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, how do you feel about that quote, Brian? Does I, it I hit you at all in your well, ears? So here's the thing. It's going to fly away into the radar until now we've, we've, you know, highlighted it bright, <laughs> broke out the green Sharpie or highlighter. Um, and so now the whole, the news world will surely be aflame. Uh, no, I mean, like, I actually do kind of feel weird, like highlighting because, like, I want a, I am, I am a, we're we're newsmen, Mike. You more more so than me. I bring the the color analysis, more of a fan kind You're of. You're the spinarkle. Sure. I'm the spinarkle, absolutely. And uh, I want this thing to be, you know, nice and cohesive and all that, so it doesn't bring me any great joy to, like, you know, be like, you know, trying to gotcha. stir up any, yeah, busted busted marks. Uh, oh, how's that going to help the culture? Um, so that doesn't that I don't like that. But at the same time, it did just sort of like, I don't know. It's the kind of thing that you don't expect Sean Marks to say. We've, we've, as you were saying, um, we've, we've become used to him being pretty expert in. Um, I would go not Rafael Nadal. I would go like you know Darth Vader hitting back a, a laser, <laughs> a plasma beam, you know, with a lightsaber. Um, and I think like so, the beginning part of the quote is actually like totally fine, and I appreciate the honesty because it's like these guys have won championships. They're trying to define their own legacy. They've chosen Brooklyn to be that next part of their legacy. And they, of course, are going to have a voice, right? Like, that's the first part of that quote. But then he does the Kyrie Irving. He lists players' names. He names people specifically. And he even... Karis and Spencer, you mean? Yeah, Karis, Levert, and Spencer Dinwiddie. And then even Mark says not to leave anybody out. But it's like, okay, we know... (laughs) The Nets are aggressively considering trading for a third star. Beyond the daily news story about Bradley Beal, which we will get to, the Nets have long been reported to want a third star. Why would they not? They have a bundle of assets. They have Kevin Durant at a certain age in his career where, like, hopefully he's healthy and you get, like, three peak, peak, peak seasons out of him. Kyrie's young enough where if you everything goes right, you can have him for a pretty extended period of time. But this is like, this is the moment, right? This next two seasons, not counting this one, which they may come back. Um, Brian, what are you doing? Are you checking out a pimple or something? Uh, no, I was just looking at my hair traipsed over. I was trying to, I don't know. I was looking at my hair. Looks good. Looks good. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, but 
of course the Nets are going to go after a third star. And and to attain that third star, obtain, Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie are going to have to be probably in that trade package. So it's just a very weird thing. Like, Marks knows that he has these guys that, that other teams covet, Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie. He also knows that he probably is intrigued about the possibility of trading for a third star in some way. And he's he's saying Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are at the powers of their hands. If they want to play with Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie, all they have to do is say so, which is a great song. Just say so. <laughs> um, um, do you, one other thing. I mean, there's a lot please. of actually yeah, lots of there. really, if you haven't checked that out on netsdaily.com, strong, strong recommend. Um, one of my other thing that was that didn't pop off the page, but I thought was interesting was uh, he's talking about you know having uh, Josiah be his uh, be the owner now, and previously having been the GM under Mikhail Prokhorov. Um, I thought this was interesting. So, so I had Mikhail Prokhorov as our first owner, Russian oligarch, and it was great to pick his brain on a variety of different things, really negotiating tactics. I loved talk to him, talking to him about that, which was terrific. Um, and then he goes on, but I thought that that was really interesting. And I'm wondering in, in the wake of the Billy King situation that like, if, if Prokhorov was like, Hey, like, I want to, I want to teach you a few things about this negotiating biz, been, been through the, <laughs> been through the ringer with this. And, uh, I have a few tips. Um, do you think that that happened? Do you think that, that, that was a conscious decision for Mikhail Prokhorov? Yes, absolutely. You're hundred percent right. They, they got, they got a bad rap for negotiating practices and they didn't, I think he wanted to nip that in the bud. Yeah, absolutely. Can I, can I, there's an element of, I think Spencer did when he knows that he's going to be traded. <laughs> Let's kind of trace it back just a little bit before even he had this charity drive where he says he will sign a one-year deal with any NBA team if the fans, if they reach a Bitcoin target of roughly, I'll just say $25 million. I'm not going to say the exact amount because that would be too much. But so if everyone doesn't know, didn't what he did have this big charity drive that if they hit a certain amount of money, originally charity really wasn't involved, but if there's $25 million worth of Bitcoin, he would sign for that fan base's team for a minimum contract. Okay. So he's flirting with the idea of being on another team. He also brought up when the bulls job was open, that he could be GM and player, which is innocent, right? It's not I'm not like, I'm not saying that this is like amazing thing, but Dinwiddie is, this is what I know what he is doing. So many teams, uh, so many Nets fans specifically put Dinwiddie in trade packages that he is now trying to do the same thing and basically be like, I could go anywhere I want after my contract, right? Like, why would I have to be loyal to the Brooklyn Nets if the fan base themselves like to throw me in trade packages constantly? Dinwiddie's yeah. the guy who checks his mentions. We know that Dinwiddie checks <laughs> his mentions. Absolutely. And he also likes to highlight hypocrisy, too. That's yeah. a thing that he likes. So I'm not I'm not fully sounding the alarm that Dinwiddie definitely knows that he's going to be on another team. I just think it is interesting <laughs> how much he's amplifying the fact that, like, he wants to go somewhere else and that he maybe does, like, he just continually talks about playing for other teams. Even in the image that he posted of this charity drive was him in a Lakers jersey, him in a Clippers jersey. It's like he's really he really just plays into the fact that like his services will be for anyone to have in two years. We still have I I mean, we still have another year of Dinwiddie after this season concludes, at least. So I don't know. I think I just think there's something afoot that the players know that we don't. Well, the thing about Dinwiddie, too, is that, I mean. It's it's interesting that you say that because he is not a person that will like stoop to any kind of like faux 
like I think a way so in you know in um in pro wrestling there's a term called cheap heat which is if you go into Madison Square Garden and you'd be like and these stupid New Yorkers and their dirty Madison Square Garden and their awful city like that's called cheap heat it's just like a lame uh, like easy way to get people to not like you he's not going to do cheap love for any city that he's playing for he doesn't he doesn't do the like you know photo shoot on the brooklyn bridge like being like falling in love with the city there's there's never going to be like some kind of you know pamphlet style like you know article about dinwiddie loving the city uh because that's just not what his brand is his his brand is tech guy with a jumper you know and he's he's with it you know he leans hard into that um so like i think if he like if he wanted to and he would never actually want to if he cared like but like doing those kinds of nods to the well the great people of this place like he'll never do it and that's how you actually like you know foment that kind of player love with like a fan base which is also like toxic in its own way right because then it be- it begins to like that's how you get into the kevin durant oklahoma city relationship dysfunctional relationship territory right because like you know you can only say like i love being here so much until like and then when you you know want to move on then it becomes this like scorned lover situation that gets really weird yeah um yeah and I, by the way, so Dinwiddie was just on Colin Cowherd this afternoon, and a six-minute video of his appearance has been released by the Colin Cowherd's Twitter account. Um, and the quote that is attached to it, this is interesting, Brian. He says, this is from Dinwiddie himself. Looking ahead with Katie and Kyrie being the high-scoring guys, I would much rather be the guy that spreads the ball around. I feel like the 21 PPG this year was a lot by necessity. Now, I want to hear... If, That's a guy who sounds like he doesn't want to get traded, Mike, right there. Yeah, you're right. I think, well, yeah. <laughs> and, and he's even hinted, he's made jokes about like, you know, um, NBA, like getting to the NBA finals this season with the team. He hasn't obviously said that like KD and Kyrie are going to be there. I, I mean, think, wait, hold on, because it's so possible too. He's so, actually, like I love Spencer Dinwiddie because he like traffics in this stuff so well. Like I think he is so conscious of like the broth, whether it's too too salty or too watery. Like I think he his broth got a little salty with his like that, that drive thing that you were talking about gotta put a little water in it gotta put some water in it talking about spreading the floor on colin coward he's so smart about that stuff and and i would do have to say so talking back about the fact that like uh he's been flirting ish with other teams it does have to be so annoying if you know that he is probably in his mentions all the time is like how about this trade for bradley beal like the bradley beal thing comes out and i'm sure his mentions light up because every nets fan is saying Oh, Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, two first round picks, Bradley Beal done, you know, and it's like immediately like as a human, that must be the most frustrating thing. And as you bring up Dinwiddie, he doesn't like he likes to actually kind of dive into that toxicity and then like make his own little fun pool out of it and kind of turn it back on the fan base, which I appreciate. But I think he knows he's going to get traded. He just likes to, it's also <clears throat> there is like an emotional twinge to that, too, because like when when you do lean into that kind of you know, meme of the, like, oh, I could, well, I could be traded. There is uh, a pretty sizable outpouring of like, no Spencer, like we don't want you to go. So in, in a sense, there is a little bit of emotional reinforcement there. I think Mike, Absolutely. if I had to put on my Freud, my Freud cap, which is, I never take off. It's always on. Um, before we get to putting Spencer Dinwiddie into a trade, let's <laughs> talk about our we're, friends. We're, we're so part of the problem. Like it's terrible. Let's talk about uh, yeah. it. Let's just talk about our friends from Roman. How about that? Yeah, please. Yeah. Good friends. Good friends. Brian. Mike. If you were to guess, on average, how many days people in the U.S. 
have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? In the U.S., most powerful, greatest country in the world? I don't know, 20 minutes. <laughs> Extrapolate that by days. What? On average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. Basically, a days? month. I had minutes. I was talking in minutes. Oh my God. 29 days. Yeah. So if you are dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you will want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. If the doctor decides the treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you, Brian, have questions or you, Brian, want to adjust your plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com slash glue for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash glue for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Nice. Bradley Beal, Brian. Oh, gosh. The Daily News, Stefan Bondi from the Daily News, is reporting that the Nets have had internal discussions about how a Bradley Beal trade would work out. Um, not shocking, frankly, the, the whole job of a GM is to have discussions internally about that exact type of thing, what it would take to get this guy, what it would take to get that guy. I'm sure they've had internal conversations about Carl Anthony Towns or internal conversations about Ben Simmons, let's say, you know, those I, are I discussions. Would, I would hope that these people are having discussions about, I mean, we had a discussion about Dion Waiters if it was like <laughs> 25 minutes, you know. Bradley Beal, yeah, definitely have a discussion. I feel like the most fun part of a GM job would be just to have these discussions. I got a name. You guys ready? Here's a here's a yeah. fun name for you. Everyone's yeah. sitting back, you know? <laughs> yeah. They got the takeout tray of food in front of them. Yeah, exactly. You just ate the nachos. Okay. Yeah. Whiteboard it. Bradley Beal. You're right, Bradley Beal on the whiteboard. We're in Sunset Park. Everyone's back. You know, we're wearing the, the masks and the, yeah. the gloves. We're having these conversations. I feel like there's a dartboard going on or someone's like shooting hoops in a trash can, you yeah. know, with like baldo pieces of paper, some yeah. that energy, you know, Tiago splitters just floating <laughs> around, pacing like a wild man. Yeah. yeah. And, and they're asking Sweat on his brow. <laughs> hey guys, let's get, let's get together on this Bradley Beal. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, everyone's shocked that we're having this discussion. Tiago's like, what did you just say? <laughs> the fuck did you just, what just came out of your mouth? Stop <laughs> not, internally discussing. Not in this. <laughs> office <laughs> but a, of course this news gets out and it's something to discuss because bradley beal is the primest of prime targets that is possible in the nba he's a super duper great influence in the locker room nice guy blah 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 also he's one of the better shooters in the nba he's a 30 point per game scorer which is a very rare thing to do in the nba to actually score 30 points per game in a season even though you know, stacked like the it was a juiced ball in was in Washington this year by how their offense played and how little they cared about defense. But Bradley Beal, um, Brian, you hate Bradley Beal. <laughs> I've I told you I've come around. I know after all of our conversations, I will. Yeah, what, what mostly can, come around. What what convinced you to turn? What, what turned it around for you for Bradley Beal? Um. <clears throat> well, I guess. 
here's what I was thinking, right? I mean, like, basically, he's an elite catch-and-shoot, three-point shooter. Uh, really just a tremendous, a tremendous shooter. And if you're looking for, like, a super competent... Uh, like so, in in the in the best paradigm of this successful team, whatever future, like a Clay Thompson is is sort of like the ideal third partner for if you're going to go with a star, right? Because um, he doesn't need the ball to be super successful and score a bunch of efficient three point shot shotties. Um, Bradley Beal is similar without the defense, you know, and a little bit more offensively capable, a bit more of a playmaker, slightly more dynamic on that end. Uh, although we've gone back and forth about whether we can trust that defensive data. And I think you're probably right that it's skewing more negative than is actually, you know, the truth. Um, so with that in mind, I'm saying like, you know, as far as third stars go, you don't want someone that's going to pound the ball, uh, because we've got plenty of that. So it's a, it's a better fit than a lot of other names out there. That's all, you know, in, in this, in this market, like particularly in this and like, so we do want to address the defense. It's. I again, I just I've said it before, but like I think defense for an individual player is actually more of a reflection of how bad a team is or how good a team is. There's certain players who transcend on either direction, like Trey Young will always be bad at defense. It'll always happen. Rudy Gobert always is going to be good at defense. But I think for the most part, if you're surrounded by good defensive players or average defensive players, you'll have a good to average defense. You know, if everyone's working in concert together. We're in like an offense, if you're a dynamic offensive player, you could be in any offense, you could be on any team, and you're going to get buckets. Mm-hmm. But if you're on a bad defensive team, like Bradley Beal was with the Wizards, there's almost like no stopping how <laughs> horrific it was. Like yeah. each player on the Wizards would have had to have gotten 20% better at defense for them to lift up the whole team. And yeah. they're just, they were horrible. So Bradley Beal, his stats are just going to look disgusting. There is like an effort element to defense that is sort of less involved with offense, and if there's less reason to give effort, then you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna have a hard time getting um, a good defense. It, so the the thing I think that is most interesting about this getting out now, you know, whether we should make a big deal out of it or not, it does indicate to go along with Sean Marks's uh, interview, the seventy two minute interview uh, with the Pod. The Nets are thinking about what to do in this offseason whenever it does happen, right? Like, of course, they've been planning. The Nets are famous for they have a three-year plan and a five-year plan, and they plan out way into the future and think very broadly about what they're going to do. Let's go back to the Allen Crab trade. The Nets made the Allen Crab trade before they had to because they knew that if they made it now, it would be way easier to execute what ended up being the Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant signings. And if they waited till the moment when they kind of maybe thought that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving was going to sign with them. Again, we were told that Sean Marks didn't even know that Durant was signing with the Nets until it popped up on the boardroom's Instagram. But he made the Alan Crabb trade way before then because he knew that it was important to to have that flexibility way, way into the future when they really needed it. So the Nets have been are for sure thinking. What do we do with this roster to maximize our champ for winning a championship? I think Josiah is the type of owner who is going to want to be aggressive in pursuing the championship now, right? Like, I think there's two different paths the Nets could go down. They can be happy that they have Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and they can try to convince those two stars that it's worth having young guys like Karras, Dinwiddie, Jared Allen will grow. You, they will grow up to your level at some point. You know, they'll continue to grow with you. 
and not up to your level, but they'll continue to grow with you. The other path is to trade all those young guys for one really pretty big piece who is the Ray Allen to the KG Paul Pierce Celtics version that we have with the Nets and make that big trade right now. Forgo the future. Don't worry about it and just go all in. And Bradley Beal, it would be an all in move. It would take Karis LeVert. Ooh, that sounded good. It would take Karis LeVert, probably also Spencer Dinwiddie, and maybe two first round picks. That that feels like a decent amount for a guy. If you're just inserting a guard who's going to be, you know, Bradley Beal, if he's on the nets, is not going to be the lead ball handler. Most of the time, he won't really even have the ball in his hands because it's either going to be in Durant's hands or Kyrie's hands. So to spend all of that capital to get what will amount to a high-priced complimentary piece feels like a lot, but Bradley Beal is super young. He's not even 26 until August. He's, oh no, that's Karis LeVert. Um, But he's super young. He he is 26 though. Bradley Beal is? Yeah, yeah. So that's the thing about, that's the funny thing. Karis LeVert feels a lot younger. Yeah. Than Bradley Beal. And Bradley Beal feels a lot older to me. Yeah. Like if you had said he was like before before our deep research summer, early summer, um, I would have said like, yeah, Bradley Beal is probably 28, you know, but no, he's young and he's turning 27 in, in June, end of June. So we'll see. I mean, but, but yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. That's still young and it's as old as Karis LeVert essentially. Um, it's so it's like, that's the kind of equation that you're really going to think about. And, you know, we had John Hollinger on the show. He did really do a number on me with the Rudy Gobert thing. And I don't think Rudy Gobert is going to become available now. Like the Jazz are putting out the the signals that we're just going to stick with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. It does like the defensive uh, you, element. You, you're about to go argue in favor of Rudy Gobert. That's how much that's a true number. <clears throat> he did a real number on you. Would you would you rather have Rudy Gobert or Bradley Beal? Um, same price. We're giving up the same pieces for both of these guys. I mean, because in my mind, doesn't take as much to get Rudy Gobert. Right. So let's knock off like, <clears throat> let's say it's it's Lavert Dinwiddie and two first round picks for Bradley Beal. I think it probably ends up being more than that because there's like a level of desperation that the Nets will feel if they get closer to it, and a lot of teams will be bidding for Bradley Beal. But let's say it's just that two first round picks, Lavert and Dinwiddie, and sure Jared Allen at this point. Well, Jared for, Allen for should Beal. just casually throw in. And then what for Gobert? And knock, knock off, off the knock off Dinwiddie. Well, I guess you can't really do that, though. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, numbers-wise, you have to do Dinwiddie. Exactly. And also, I mean, there's also so maybe just Maybe knock a, off a first-round pick, but who cares? There's a big, there's quite a bit of a logjam there and, and a potentially hairy one in uh, DeAndre Jordan's situation, which I know is exactly what people don't want to hear. Yeah. Um, but that is sort of a reality. We're, we're tied up with a lot of money at a position that's very quickly losing a lot of... Although, and this is another thing that, that people push back on is like that the defensive center is something that's like generally less and less valuable over the years. Now, I think like the Gobert version of it, that, that'll never go away, right? That's a valuable piece for, you know, anchoring a defense every time down the floor. Super valuable. Um, diminishing returns on offense forever at that position, you know, at, with, with the way that the league is headed in terms of offensive structure. So yeah, do you spend all of that to to anchor a defense? Gosh, Mike, I don't know. That's tough. I'm I may need a whole week to think about that one. So the intriguing thing about Gobert is if you're in a if you're in a conference with Giannis and Tetacupo, and you're in a conference with Joel Embiid and all the sides that the Sixers have, Rudy Gobert immediately becomes like 
at least a neutralizing factor on some level against the super length that you would see against the Bucks and the Sixers. And as much as I love DeAndre Jordan, as much as I love Jared Allen, they would not be as effective against those teams. Like Joel, full health against DeAndre Jordan or Jared Allen, it's a really bad matchup. It's a bad matchup for most people. But like, you know what? I'd be really interested. And sorry to interrupt you again. Please. I feel like I've been doing it all day. I love it. Um, I'd be interested to see what like uh, Giannis's career stats are against Jazz and Gobert specifically, because like yeah. I have the sneaking suspicion that that those types of centers, those slightly more immobile but like you know rim protecting centers, I think he he is that's a tough guard for for them because he's like basically a, he's a a slasher like seven foot slasher, um, which is why I think Jared Allen is like has a lot of success. Um, guarding Giannis more so than a lot of other people, it's because like he can pick him up at the three point line, basically stay with him, um, and force him a little further away from the basket that he wants to be, like starting earlier in his in that cut and that slash at like the elbow. Um, whereas like Gobert has to just be like sort of contesting a, a full blown like dunk on his face, which is which is a tough spot to be in. Um, we should do that. I'll do that at some point, Mike. Well, I'm pulling up all of Giannis's games against the Jazz. And he, it's like, I, I mean, it's just, I'm going on basketball reference and you can do game finder. <laughs> right. Yeah. And he's, he's torched the jazz. Like I'm sure he's done every team. Like they played a game earlier this season in November when actually when Utah, I think was like, had a really bad start to the season and Giannis put up 50 points <laughs> and in a game last season in March, he put up 43 and like, do I know go bears in this game? I mean, I can look at each box score. Do I really care? No, I, I mean that that basically is all I need to see. Those two <laughs> those two point totals to know that I'm completely right. That's that you all are I need completely to know. right. Yeah, yeah. Um I do think it would be different in a seven game series. Gobert ha- I mean, he's the best defensive center in the league, so he would offer something, right? So you would He offers a lot against Embiid. I'll give I'll give you that. Like that 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 version is great against against um yeah, anyways, it's a better fit for that. I think Giannis is such a weird, you know, hard to guard player that it's just like a one off. But yeah, in general, he's good. Fine. And I was listening to it was Brian Windhorse pod and I think Tim McMahon and someone else was on there and they were talking. This was two weeks ago or so. And they were talking about Rudy Gobert and the possibility that like he's they're basically like he's not going to get traded because the Jazz know that they'll be able to offer Gobert as much money as he could want and get get more of it. And in, in Utah and Utah is one of those cities where you can't trade away guys and hope guys will come in free agency because no one goes to Utah in free agency. So when you get someone like Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert, you lock them up, you pay, you may overpay because apparently, so I know not apparently it is true. Gobert is eligible for the super max because he always is on the all NBA teams because that's, he's just one of those guys that is always on the list. Now he's not going to get super max money. And if he was in Brooklyn, I don't think he would get super max money either, but it is something that's kind of looming over there. Um, but I do, it's, it's just an intriguing thing to think about because if Kyrie and Kevin Durant are on the floor together, there will not be a single possession that another player on the team will like get to like pound the ball for three seconds and then try to drive to the hole. Even if it's Bradley Beal almost like it would, Kyrie doesn't allow that to happen the way he plays. And if you have Durant, let's remember what Durant did to the Golden State Warriors. The Warriors pre-Durant was this gorgeous offensive system, pick a lot of picks, cutting, 
uh, screening, all that good stuff. And ball movement was so beautiful. It was like a really beautiful extension of the triangle offense and the way the Spurs were playing up to a certain point. It was just like a gorgeous brand of basketball with Curry and Thompson. Durant gets there and they go to an isolation team in crunch time because Durant is that good. Like Durant is so good that he took the most beautiful offense in basketball and made it an ISO heavy thing. And it was better for it. And it was better. And mm-hmm. and Steve Kerr admitted as much at times where it's like at the end of the game, it's still a better play to just give Kevin the ball and see what's going to happen. Which is why <clears throat> I always talk about this, but like Kevin has this is, is, is right to have a distorted view of the effects of analytics, you know, because he himself is this like nuclear bomb on analytics. I like, you know, it's best. Like, he, he really doesn't need a system to do what he does well. Whereas a lot of other players do. Right. But they, but they all think like Kevin Durant, though they don't play like Kevin Durant. Right. That's the difference. But like Durant can do anything, right? He destroys mm-hmm. offensive systems because he is one on unto himself. Yeah. 50, 40, 90 in ISO is a crazy stat line. So when Durant does play this season, or when he plays next season, um, and Kyrie's also on the floor with him. Like the third star that the Nets get is just, it isn't going to Bradley Beal will be diminished because he's going to be on the floor with these guys. Like Bradley Beal is a pretty good ball handler. He's certainly a focal point of the offense. Now he, his skills, why he's attractive is because he can shoot. Um, he's played with a, a point guard. who's ball heavy in John wall. And Kyrie is better than John Wall and a way better distributor and all that. So like that, so Bradley Beal would be improved in that sense. But like you're you're paying premium for ultimately a guy who's going to be like, he's just going to be diminished, right? Like you're not going to maximize Bradley Beal, but it would be awesome to have Bradley Beal on the floor with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Like there's no denying that. I don't know. And, and so that's kind of like why I like, I like the Rudy Gobert idea because what Gobert does is offensively, he just wants pick and roll and getting, he just wants to dunk. That's all he wants to do. He wants, but he wants the opportunity to do a pick and roll and then get the ball on the roll and dunk. And defensively, he's the whole system. And think about the length that you would have with just KD and Rudy Gobert. where like Gobert's like just dropping down on the paint, protecting the hoop off of everything. And then KD's coming over for secondary blocks or coming off the weak side and using being seven foot one and however tall we're saying he is and blocking shot. I mean, defensively, that's when KD can kind of get unlocked where if it's DeAndre Jordan, that's you can kind of do the same thing, but it's not as elevated. If you were Karis LeVert right now, what would you be doing to your <laughs> game and or body to keep these, this gossiping at a minimum? You know, you're the third star. You Gosh. believe that in your heart and soul. Am I putting on that 15 pounds of muscle? Am I am I practicing my catch and shoot threes? Like, what do, am I am I trying to fill that that void? It it's Kerslevert. The only thing that he should be working on right now. I love ball handling. Right, it's great. That's how you differentiate yourself from an average player to a really good player. Is can you handle the ball? That's why Steph Curry is Steph Curry as opposed to being, um, what's his brother's name? Seth. Seth. <laughs> it's even, it's, I love that it's, Seth. that it's Steph and Seth. Seth. <laughs> and it's just like in every way, the lesser He's brother. A Seth. <laughs> yeah. He's a Seth. Um, so that's the difference. It's ball handling, right? So Karis Levert is okay ball handler. He's better than what he should be in terms of his length. Typically got like he's, he's guardish, right? But what he should be working on is receiving a pass and shooting, getting a pass, shoot, getting a pass, quick dribble shot. 
Like that's the things that he should work on. And the way the Garrett Savert fits into the equation, though, we saw it at the, we saw it at the end of this season. Defensively, he had some games where he was like a wing defensive monster, Brian. You know, and if he's if he tries to be like wing D monster dude who also then can be a little creative when he gets the ball on the secondary pass. That's a formula where he's the third star. You know, he could be if he's defense focused and tries to be more condensed as a shooter because he isn't a good shooter. Um, yeah, that's the thing. I love Karras and I want it to work out. You know that, that that's true, right? I know it's true. Every, everyone knows that that's true. We're not rooting against Karis LeVert on the show, but the thing is we have this rare this rare window of opportunity here, Mike, and it'd be a real shame if we couldn't get over the hump because we were married to guys who we were hoping would grow to fill some shoes that maybe they weren't capable of filling. Mike, that's the big fear. There you go. So you want Bradley Beal. <laughs> yeah. I talked myself out of it. No. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the key thing is like, what will the package be? And we just can't know that it's impossible to yeah. know. Wow. We just get really serious on this podcast, Mike. I got to say the the thing about any trade is almost like if it for a third star, if it gets the third star, I almost don't care what the trade package is. Cause if you have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and then Bradley Beal, Carl Towns, whoever, then it, I don't care. Like you could give up everything at that point. And then just re-sign Joe Harris, bring back Garrett Temple. You already have DeAndre Jordan. You sign a couple of minimum guys that Dion Waiters, mm. J.R. Smith, Kyle good analytics-based signings like Dion Waiters. Um, and then Joe's size tax bills, like the craziest one since Prokhorov's last one. But time to time to pay up, Joe. It's your turn, buddy. Um, can I get a final verdict on you? From you? Okay. Sean Marks, did he screw up by what he said? Right. <laughs> You want me to go down, down with you, huh? Um, I think that that was, I think it was probably, I think it was probably a mistake. Tiny one though. I mean, not, not, so he's, here's, here's the thing. You don't want to say what people are already thinking (laughs) in that way. Um, And, and it seems like an unmarksy move to do it, but it could fly well under the radar. We could be making a mountain out of a molehill, you know, it's possible. Probably not though. You're probably you're probably gonna blow this story wide open, Mike. You prepared for the backlash? Uh one last one. You prepared for the death threats? God. Um this was and we didn't even talk I don't want to talk about Kevin Durant and his health, but Oh my god, are you about to? Sean <laughs> Marks to? did say this on Oh my god. I Lord. can't believe the show is named The Pod. I can't <laughs> believe that. That is cast. galling. The, the we can level help them. Of, we can. We've been in the pod game for years now, Mike. We can help them workshop this. Um, so this is about Kevin Durant's health. This was on the pod. How does Kevin look when he comes back? I can tell you now. He looks pretty darn good, and I'm excited about him on the oh, floor. Geez, now this is what he says. I'm excited about him on the I'm, floor <laughs> at Barclays in front of that fan base. So that's clever that he said that. But how do you mesh that? How do you play together? Blah 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 blah. blah. Okay. So it is. I know. I know what you're about to do. No, I think it's, I think that's the good way. That's, that's, that's the good the way, way to, to leave a breadcrumb. Yeah. It's, he looks pretty darn good, but he's like, at, then saying, I'm excited about him being on the floor at Barclays in front of that fan base. This could be a fever dream, but I also feel like he talked about people watching. Anyways, I, I'm not going to, I can't find the quote. There's so many quotes in here, Mike. They, I mean, they did a great job over there in Nets Daily pulling all this stuff. So he looks pretty darn good. So just, just think about that for a sec. 
Okay, <laughs> let, let that sink in. Hey, what about those five stars? Hey, we really need them. And if you don't get them, Brian and I may get fired. So yeah, bottom line, this is it. <laughs> All hands on deck, guys. <laughs> and hire Matt Brooks and Keith McPherson. And if you want that naked handstand on the Brooklyn Bridge, you know you know what to do. Just one more. What do we, we just need one more review, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's all it takes, people. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. I apologize that we just did two shows back-to-back in the span of two days. Feels what? overwhelming. What? Feels like people, too much Nets content. Have you ever heard somebody say, That's too much, Mike. That's too much of you. Plenty. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We From the that. moment I was born, too <laughs> much. Wow. Traumatic. A traumatic life for Michael um, Smeltz. Brian, have a great weekend. Join us more, next week for the next you installation. Don't do Happy Memorial Day. I apologize. You don't say that. But I, you don't? I don't think so. It's like one of those. Have, you say have a good one. Yeah. Have, have a, a respectful one. Memorial Day. Perfect. Mike. Um, thank you so much for listening.